This is the Casper and Chris podcast. From News Talk KBOI, Boise. Your 20-hour break is over. Now back to the only morning show born in Idaho. Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. Six oh six. So, guess who uh, decided to stop doing their own dirty work yesterday? <laughs> uh, it sounds like uh, Nate um, had his producer. Mm-hmm. Maybe he got some complaints from beyond just us about uh, tickets. You don't think our complaints were enough? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> they never are. <clears throat> We do have more tickets, by the way, that we will be giving away this morning. Uh, once again, Luke Bryan will be here live in concert. Coming up on uh, August the 2nd, tickets will go on sale, as you heard right there, Friday morning. We'll give you the details uh, coming up here shortly, but uh, another chance for you to win your tickets coming up here for you this morning. It's been underway for a Wednesday, 38 degrees. You were playing Luke Bryan yesterday after we got off the air, and so all day long I was going around humming one margarita, two margaritas. <laughs> And I never did get a margarita. Yeah, the problem I had yesterday, um, I played too much um, songs from uh, Toby Keith. Toby Keith. So you were humming I, Toby Keith songs all day. This morning, as I got up, I woke up and was humming Red Solo Cup in my yeah. head. I'm like, what the heck? I heard that song like seven times yesterday. <laughs> I love the song. It but was on every newscast that I heard. Earworms, get out of mm-hmm. my head. Let's move on to something else, for crying out loud. Not not that I've moved on to something else. I mean, it's still tragic that Toby Keith passed away yesterday. But um, I, I I could do without having that song going over and over. Have one if you're going to play songs in your head, at least have a playlist. <laughs> don't that's keep the playing with, the same song over that, and over. That is the trouble with earworms. You don't really get to choose them. <laughs> yeah, kind of. You can try. I mean, you can play one song like 18 times at your house if you like it, and then, well, actually, if you do that, you probably won't like it by the end of the day. Uh, coming up here for you this morning, phone lines are open, as usual, as they always are this time. So for those of you who are up early listening, and we know there are a lot of you, just based on how many people sign up for our tickets to Luke Bryan yesterday, um, if you want to get through, 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-5264, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Once again, you can also get through emailing us, chris at kbui.com or mike at kbui.com. You can also text us, uh, same as our main number, 208-336-3700. Some of the things we're going to be talking about this morning for a uh, Wednesday. Alexander Myokas, um was not impeached last night so in a vote by the House. So they're going to try again today. Yeah, that's what's the rule? Try, try, try again until you finally get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a close vote, but every Democrat voted against it, which is kind of weird because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting my two uh, votes mixed up here. Um, the other thing we're going to talk about is the uh, bill to fund Ukraine, Israel, and border. It failed to pass also mm-hmm. uh, yesterday in a very close vote. Um, all the Democrats voted against it. Some Republicans also um, voted to pass it. 
it's interesting because Alexandria Ocasio, as we told you earlier in the week, um, said that she would not vote for the bill um, because she didn't think it did anything to stop illegals from coming across the border. She ended up voting for the bill yesterday. This was just kind of a so test she vote. Ended up having that uh, better than nothing approach. Yeah. Um, there was also, and I forget the name of the uh, congressman who showed up um, Green. straight from the hospital. Al Green. Al Green showed up straight from the hospital, Let's still in his scrub. Still in his. Yeah. I wonder if it's the, the the scrubs are the one where you show your butt if you happen to stand up and <laughs> the ties in the back. You know the very uncomfortable. I would certainly uh, hope hospital not in, gown. In this yeah. particular case. <laughs> but he showed up in his hospital gown because he didn't want to miss the vote, afraid that it would pass if his vote wasn't there. Uh, ended up not needing the vote because uh, it failed by two, two well, votes. No, it it was a tie after he voted. It was going to fail by one. And when he voted, it was a tie. And then in order to be able to vote again today, I don't know what the rule is, but this is how it works, one of the uh, Republicans then changed his vote to uh, against. Ah, and, so that makes so, sense. Why, and, why yeah. at the last second right. the Republican changed his vote? So that would make, okay, that would make a little bit more sense. Oh, there we go. Why he changed his vote there at the last second. So I didn't even know you could do that. Just say, so, oh, by the way, either. I just voted this way. Now I'd like to vote this way. Isn't it, isn't it weird, some of the rules... Yeah, it is. It's so confusing. Um, And another thing we're going to be talking about uh, today, like I said, we have a lot of stuff to uh, parse through. Uh, For the first time ever in the history of the United States, a uh, mother has been found guilty of manslaughter charges for murders that somebody else committed, her son. Um, It'll be interesting to see because this is the first person who has been charged in this particular instance and there's another manslaughter case, similar situation, where a person's child got a hold of the gun yeah. that's due to go to court coming well, up here next month. They uh, are also going to try his father as well. So the whole family. So it, it'll be interesting to see how if this changes when they charge the father. Because the reason that she was charged, and this is coming from a jury member, mm-hmm. was because she was the last person to touch the gun before her son got a hold of it. So you're not going to be able to say that about the dad. And, and the jurist said that the reason, the most compelling evidence in this and the reason they found her guilty, because she was the last person to touch the gun before her son got a hold of it. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about this. If you want to weigh in on this already this morning, uh, you can. Is this deserving? If somebody, if you have a family member who goes on a killing rampage, you didn't do it, but it's your gun, should you be charged? Should you be found guilty of manslaughter charges if somebody gets your gun? Well, and now someone has. So we're having you weigh in this morning. Do you think this is the right thing? Do you think it's a slippery slope? Um, you can weigh in on that. You can email us right now if you want. Mike at KBOI.com. Chris at KBOI.com. Uh, you can also... Uh, if you like, text us, 208-336-3700. Like I said, stick around. Coming up here in just a few minutes, we'll give you the details how you can get your free tickets to Luke Bryan coming up here for you this morning. Um, and uh, another thing, locally, um, there's uh, a bill going through the Idaho legislature that I, I, I don't know if we're going to have a chance to talk about this today. I know we'll get to it, if not today, tomorrow and Friday, because we talked to Idaho legislators who are busy making the laws. Um, but apparently there's a new bill going through that would make it easier here in Idaho for some people to get liquor licenses because it is almost impossible. It's not impossible, um, but you have to be really rich if you really, really, really 
want a liquor license. Yeah, they're not exactly giving them away. They're not giving them away. And there's also uh, curtails, even if you are rich, you can't just have one because you want one and have enough money to have one, and you want to pay a million dollars to have your liquor license. Um, There are also other rules based on population. Um, This new legislative bill, working its way through the legislature, would make it easier for some people, when I say some people, um, you have to be on on the water. So in other words, Boise River, mm-hmm. um, other waterways in the state of Idaho. You already have rules of that, but it's a little restrictive because you have to have a certain amount of water running through that waterway. Like Shore Lodge, for instance, in McCall, there's a set aside for them to have a license, even though there might not be a license available. There's not enough people living there to have a license. They have a bar and restaurant on the water, so each of them can have it because they're on the water. It could be coming soon to, if you're in Star, Middleton. Why is that a rule? Caldwell. uh, Which part? About being on the water. Because I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know. Now now you're right where I am. They're they're trying to expand it so that... uh, uh, and the reason they're trying to expand it is because they want to see growth in some of these cities with high-end restaurants, high-end bars, mm-hmm. and they're not able to do that. You can't have a high-end restaurant or a high-end bar. It's very hard to do if you can't get a hold of a liquor license, if you're and doing if, it just with beer and, and wine. If, and if no one shows up, too. And you get people to show up with liquor licenses. It makes it a lot easier to get people in there. <laughs> So that'll be something else. Uh, Hopefully we'll get to that today. Not sure if it'll be today or tomorrow, but those are just some of the things we're talking about today. Go ahead and give us a call if you want to be part of the conversation. 208-336-3700. Time now for our first check on sports. Enough of the good news. Let's go into sports. (laughs) But by the way, it's still not horrible news in sports this morning. It's interesting. Yeah. um, uh, This update brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna. Chef Wally and all the staff already there getting ready for you to show up for breakfast at 7 a.m. when they open up as they are every morning as they prepare everything. Thing from scratch, made with love. Get into Cuna today at Pork Belly. Not a lot went right for Boise State's men's basketball team last night until after the game. Uh, this happened in uh, Fort Collins. The Broncos made only 11 field goals in the first half. They shot just 41% from the floor. They shot only 25% from three-point range, and they missed six free throws in the second half of a 75-62 to loss to Colorado State. At a moment in the second half when a basket would have ended a run by the Rams, Boise State's uh, Chibuzo Abo had an easy dunk, and it bounced off the front of the rim instead. That's the kind of night they had. Tyson Degenhart uh, did play well. He led the Broncos with 25 points one. and 7 rebounds. Max Rice scored 11 points and also had 7 rebounds. No other Boise State player scored in double figures. Roddy Anderson led in assists, but with only 2. Isaiah Stevens paced Colorado State with 16 points and 11 assists. The Broncos are now 16-7 and overall and 7-3 and in the Mountain West. Next up for Boise State is a trip to Logan Saturday to play number 22 Utah State. That game will tip off at 8 p.m. It'll be televised by Fox Sports 1. The Aggies were surprised Tuesday by Nevada, who upset Utah State 77-63, ending the Aggies' 13-game home winning streak. So today, there is a four-way tie for first place in the Mountain West Conference. Boise State, Utah State, San Diego State, and New Mexico are all 7-3. and three. 
Second baseman Jose Altuve was set to become a free agent at the end of the 2024 season. Instead, he signed a five-year, $125 million extension to remain with the Houston Astros. Altuve will make $26 million this season, the final year of a seven-year, $163.5 million deal. Then he'll make $25 million a year through 2029. Altuve is an eight-time All-Star. He was the American League Most Valuable Player in 2017. That's sports. You know, um... When you look at the Mountain West Conference, we are halfway through the season, mm-hmm. the regular season. You know, as you mentioned, there's a four-way tie for first. There are eight teams now that could legitimately win the uh, Mountain West as of right now. Indeed. As of today, there is uh, one team who is only one games out, two teams who are one and a half games right. out, and Wyoming is only two games out of first place with so, a full second half of the season left to go. Essentially, uh, halfway through the season, two-thirds of the teams can still win that. <laughs> There's only three teams that have no chance of winning. Fres- <laughs> Fresno, San Jose State, and uh, Air Force. So um, it's going to be interesting this coming Saturday because uh, Utah State's going to be pissed, and Boise State hopefully will be pissed after their loss against Colorado. Uh, so th- I, I think this is going to be a, uh, if the referees especially let them play, is going to be just a uh, very rough and tumble game because this is going to be important for both of those two teams coming up this Saturday. And, of course, guess what? You hear it all here on News Talk KBOI coming up on Saturday evening. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Luke Bryan, going to be here on August the 2nd, Ford Idaho Center. Tickets go on sale to the general public coming up Friday morning at 10 a.m. So still giving away tickets before anybody else can win them. And another chance for you to pick up your tickets this morning. So if you're up and going, just text Luke again today. Luke, L-U-K-E. Keep in mind, if you don't spell Luke right, you're not in the grand prize drawing. You have to spell it correctly. Because that's the way the computer picks the yeah. uh, person at random. So it's I think, cru- it's cruel, but uh, you I know. think yesterday we had seven people who <laughs> didn't enter uh, get entered because they texted like one was loom and somebody entered win. I don't know where they got win from, but text Luke once again to two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred. Well, maybe they wanted to Luke, so they test they texted win. Gary uh, from Nampa writes in to get rid of uh, the red solo cup song in your head. Sing the intro to Green Acres. It doesn't repeat on itself. I don't think it's going to work. Green Acres <laughs> is the place to be. I don't be. think it's going to work. Uh, living is by the, the way, we me. talked earlier about uh, Max Rice and all the criticism he was getting. Uh, some people feel the only reason he's playing is because he's the coach's son. He wasn't the coach's He needed to be benched, that, yada, yada, yada. In, in New Mexico, uh, the only reason he was playing is he kept scoring. Uh, hopefully this will also put those critics to uh, rest and show how dumb you are. Uh, Max Rice uh, yesterday was awarded the Oscar Robinson Trophy, which means you're the best player in the nation that week. Oscar Robertson? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Best player in the nation, not the best player who's playing for the coach as his dad. That's a cool, that's a cool award right there. Uh, yeah, weekly award given out every week to the best player ha- who happened to be playing that week, and Max Rice won that uh, for last week's and it's, play. So it's congratulations, best all around player. Yeah, best all around player. So. That was uh, Oscar Robertson was the first uh, NBA player he was ever, okay. ever to average a triple double for he, the for the whole season. Okay. He was okay. 
So says the Hall of Fame, yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, could you imagine how much more he would have played if he had been playing for his dad? Uh, I, I don't know. He, <laughs> they didn't, I don't think they didn't take him out of the lineup <laughs> yeah, much as it was. <laughs> KVOI News Time, 627. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 6.42. Who is uh, richer this morning? We had made a 25-cent bet yesterday that uh, Nikki Haley would uh, win. <laughs> okay. uh, I said she would win the primary. And I, Chris said okay. she, and she I said, would. No, I said that Trump would, Trump win, would win as a write-in. <laughs> and we, we, both, were, we were wrong. We were both wrong. And it's not even cl- This is crazy. Are you ready for this? Yes. Nikki Haley got 30.8% of the vote mm-hmm. in the primary. And, um, and the big winner was? Before I answer... I want everybody to think for a second. Who do you think? Trump didn't win, and Nikki Haley didn't win. Right. Who do you think, by far, got the most votes in the primary? Give you a second to think about that. It's a person with a very, very odd name. First name, none. Mm-hmm. Uh, middle name, of these, and last name, candidates. None yeah. of these candidates. There was, a, there was a, a box on there where you could check off none of these candidates, and that one... Uh, Overwhelmingly. 62.9%. That's who won the primary for Nevada. None of these candidates. Uh, caucus, by the way, if if you are curious. Now, I kind of figured that's sort of, I, mean, I guess there wasn't a write-in possibility. Because, I mean, Donald Trump didn't even show up, right? Uh, Donald, yeah. Uh, oh, Mike, Mike Pence uh, was third. You're kidding. No, Tim Scott was fourth. So Donald Trump didn't even show up. No, so there must not have been a write-in possibility uh because if there had i'm thinking they would have just written in donald trump yeah but instead none of these candidates kind of to me means donald trump who wasn't on the ballot and that very well could be yeah you're you're exactly right that very but that doesn't mean i won the bet (laughs) because i said donald trump would win and he didn't that but the the other thing is it very well could be possibly possible something that we have talked about many times here because uh, i've stated this opinion over and over again that in a regular, real life, if you look at things equally and you took the names of the candidates off and you just knew their backgrounds, their policies, and things like that, mm-hmm. um, and everything else would be there, the person yeah. if, running with no name if, had 94 um, counts of criminal counts against him, uh, but you didn't know it was Donald Trump, I, I would say, once again, this is just my opinion, that person would be unelectable. Unless there is somebody so bad on the other side that they're voting for this person just because even that person who's unelectable would be a better choice than the other person. And I think that's what, that's kind of what we're seeing here that you, you even have people that aren't necessarily Trump supporters just don't want to see another Biden presidency. And we've seen this in the last two elections. Anybody but Trump last election and anybody but Hillary the election before that, right? Mm hmm. That's that's the exactly the way people were, and now you have half the people going anybody but Biden, and the other half saying anybody but Trump. Um, so it's going to be the middle people who are going to decide once again uh, this this election. Uh, by the way, all the delegates who were chosen by caucus. Yes, there was a caucus and a primary yesterday, and uh, Donald Trump did win the Nevada caucus yesterday. Well, that we knew for sure. Yeah, that was going to happen. And the reason uh, you had mentioned, you know, 
the Donald Trump thing and not a write-in, um, the reason why he is not on the uh, ballot for the primary was because by law, you can only be on one ballot. You can either be in the caucus or you can be in the primary. You couldn't be in, in both. And Nikki Haley also wasn't listed on uh, in the caucus either. So it's just a weird, weird political rules in Nevada. Seems fair in an opposite sort of way. <laughs> Let's get another check on sports for you this morning. It's brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna. Just 15 minutes away from opening up. Get in for either a coffee through the coffee drive through or breakfast. The Boise State women's basketball team takes on San Jose State tonight at Extra Mile Arena. We told you that the men lost last night to Colorado State. Uh, game time for the women is 6.30 p.m. The Spartans are just 6-15 and 15 this season and only 1-8 and eight in conference play. They lost to Air Force 78-56 on Saturday. The Broncos are 14-8 and eight overall and 5-4 and four in the Mountain West. The Boise State football team announced a commitment Tuesday from a new linebacker, Sincere Brackett Lambie of Centennial High School in Corona, California. Not the one here. Brackett Lambie is six foot three and 230 pounds. 24-7 Sports ranks him as a three-star recruit. Brackett Lambie is the second player from Corona to commit to the Broncos, following defensive lineman Connor Workington, who signed in December. Also Tuesday, 24-7 Sports upgraded Boise State recruit Clay Martineau of Oregon City, Oregon, to four stars, making Mm. him now the top high school recruit in the Broncos' 2024 class. Martineau committed to Boise State last June. That's sports. Night at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Luke Bryan is going to be live in concert coming up in August Ford Idaho Center. Tickets don't go on sale till Friday morning, but we here at KBOI giving you a chance to win them before you can buy them. Be one of the first to get your tickets to the concerts this week and this morning already giving you a chance. Text Luke to 208-336-3700 and you can join our uh, growing list of winners. Corey Tidwell was our uh, winner yesterday morning. Congratulations, Corey. Want to put your name right after Corey's? Well, text away right now if you haven't done so yet to 208-336-3700. Just text Luke and then in the 9 o'clock hour, once again, we will... uh, at random, pick a winner from everybody who correctly texts to Luke to uh, in, and spelling counts here, L-U-K-E. It's very easy to spell. Just text us right now. Uh, you'll have uh, coming up until the 9 o'clock hour this morning. Uh, Jennifer Crumley is the Michigan woman charged in connection with her son's deadly school shooting rampage in 2021. She was convicted yesterday of involuntary manslaughter in this unprecedented case. After a day and a half of deliberations, a Michigan jury finding Jennifer Crumbly guilty. We find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. She's the mother of 17-year-old Ethan Crumbly, who opened fire inside Oxford High School in suburban Detroit in 2021, killing four students. Crumbly's case is the first time a parent has been charged and now convicted in a case related to their child carrying out a mass shooting. The jury finding she was grossly negligent in caring for her son and failed in her duty as a parent. Jennifer Crumbly faces up to 15 years years in prison when she sentenced at a later date.
The fact that they've been able to reach this conclusion that Jennifer Crumbly is guilty, it means they, the prosecution satisfied one of two possibilities. One is the fact that they failed to secure that gun is enough to find her responsible for those murders, or also, under Michigan law, that she failed to provide what's known as ordinary care by not detecting those signs that her son's mental health was failing, not getting him the help that he needed, and thus she is responsible for the fact that he went and killed his classmates. Crumbly became the first parent to be held criminally responsible for a mass shooting committed by their child. Crumbly, who's 45, was convicted on all four counts of involuntary manslaughter, one for each of the victims in the attack at Oxford High School in November of 2021. Her son, Ethan, who is now 17, pleaded guilty as an adult to murder, terrorism, and other crimes and was sentenced in December to life in prison without parole. Now she will face up to 15 years in prison per count and remains held on bond. She will be sentenced on April 9th. Now, the juror, one of the jurors uh, afterwards in an interview said, the decision hinged in most part on who was the last adult to handle the weapon. Quoting here, the thing that really hammered it home for the jury was that she was the last adult with the gun, the juror said. Hmm. So she should have put it in a safe or something? Is that what they're saying to her? I... not sure what, yeah. and I don't know. Here's here's the thing too. I mean, he was 15 years old. Um, mm-hmm. My parents had, you know, safe. I mean, they, they they didn't lock up their guns when I was growing up. They did have a safe for valuables uh, and things that they that they could lock up. We all knew what the combination was to that safe <laughs> as teenagers. So if you lock it up and your kids still get to it, are you still going to be guilty if they decide mm. to murder someone? My parents had a portable safe, and to this day I still don't understand the point of that. <laughs> to prove its case, the prosecution tried to portray Crumbly as a neglect, neglectful mother who cared more about her hobbies and carrying on an extramarital affair than oh, about boy. spending time with her son. Then when she and her husband gave their son a semi-automatic handgun as a gift in the days before the shooting, prosecutors, prosecutors said neither of them properly stored it. On the day of the shooting, after the Crumleys had been summoned to the school because of a disturbing uh, drawing of a gun made by their son, the parents didn't tell school officials he had access to a weapon or even take him home. Ethan Crumbly then would go on to kill four students. Crumbly's defense lawyer, Shannon Smith, suggested that it was James Crumbly, the dad, who was specifically in charge of storing the weapon, and that the school knew Ethan was having trouble paying attention in classes, but didn't fully inform Jennifer Crumley. Well, I mean, the number of kids having trouble paying attention in class is, is not exactly a you know single-digit number. But as a school, yeah, and, and I get that, but as a school, how do you go and predict? Yeah, I don't know. We, like, we think this person's going to shoot up the school. I would, I would think it's practically impossible. Smith had asked the jury in her closing arguments to acquit her client, not just for Jennifer Crumbly, but for every mother out there who's doing the best they can and could easily be in her shoes. One of the reasons to put somebody in prison is if they are a danger to society. And I think the fact that her son is now in prison means she's not a danger to society. You're not wrong. And that's why I wanted to talk about this this morning and get your input. I mean, uh, this is this is done, uh, of course, it more than likely is going to be appealed, I would guess. Um, your thoughts on this, because that, that last part really hit home to me um, when Smith asked the jury to acquit the client 
not just for her, but because every mother out there who's doing the best that they can, who could easily be in their in their shoes. Mm. So does this open the door if if well, somebody I mean, they apparently thought she wasn't doing the best that she could? But does this open the door now? Yeah, for somebody who has a family member living in their home who decides to go out and shoot people well, and murder them, now being held, it's like. Okay, you should have known he was going to go. Show. How, I, I how am I supposed think, to know this? Person I wouldn't was think just a that. family member in general, but if it's if it's you know one of your own children, then uh, I suppose this does open that door. Yeah, that's a scary thing. Two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pound six seventy on your Verizon wireless. Um, as Chris mentioned, we were teasing this a little bit earlier this morning. Uh, James Cum- Crumley, the father, is expected to stand trial next month on the same involuntary manslaughter charges. So two people could be caused, basically found guilty of the same exact crime. Except that he clearly wasn't the last one to handle the gun, and, and that was apparently very important to the, uh, the jury. Well, and was he or wasn't he? Because they, the, thought they decided she was. They decided she was in this, in this case. So if that's, if that's the case, and they bring this up in James's case... Are they going to go with, well, wait a minute, in the other case, wasn't the mom the last one to hold it? Because the defense attorney said that the dad was the last one and was in charge of storing the gun. Which he did not. But uh, apparently they ignored that. So it's going to be interesting in the next trial because um, it'll be interesting to see if they charge two people with the exact same crimes, which they obviously can't. Go ahead and weigh in. Uh, if you want to email us right now or text us, email Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. You can text us, same as our main number. Um, we'll get to some of your phone calls if you want to, uh, coming up after bottom of the hour news. Right now, it's time for another check on sports, brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna. They are open and serving breakfast right now. And don't forget, one of the restaurants where you can get breakfast anytime they're open. Not a lot went right for Boise State's men's basketball team last night in Fort Collins. The Broncos made only 11 field goals in the first half. They shot just 41% from the floor. They shot only 25% from three-point range, and they missed six free throws in the second half of a 75-62 loss to Colorado State. At a moment in the second half when a basket would have ended a run by the Rams, Boise State's Chibuzo Abo had an easy dunk bounce off the front of the rim. Instead, it was that kind of night. Tyson Degenhart led the Broncos with 25 points and 7 rebounds. Max Rice scored 11 points and also had 7 rebounds. No other Boise State players scored in double figures. Roddy Anderson led in assists with only 2. Isaiah Stevens paced Colorado State with 16 points and 11 assists. The Broncos are now 16-7 and overall and 7-3 and in the Mountain West. Next up for Boise State is a trip to Logan Saturday to play number 22 Utah State. That game will tip off at 8 p.m. It'll be televised by Fox Sports 1. The Aggies were surprised Tuesday by Nevada, who upset Utah State 77-63, ending the Aggies' 13-game home winning streak. So today, there's a four-way tie for first place in the Mountain West Conference. Boise State, Utah State, San Diego State, and New Mexico are all 7-3. and three. Second baseman Jose Altuve was set to become a free agent at the end of the 2024 MLB season. Instead, he signed a five-year, $125 million extension to remain with the Houston Astros. Altuve will make $26 million this season, the final year of a seven-year, $163.5 million deal. Then he will make $25 million a year through 2029. Altuve is an eight-time All-Star. He was the American League Most Valuable Player in 2017. That's sports. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. 
keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. All right, 723. The Dow Futures are up 86 points. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, we've seen a lot of volatility even through the middle of the day. Standard Emporer uh, is up 20 uh, points. NASDAQ uh, also up in early trading here this morning before it opens up, coming up over 100 points on the NASDAQ, by the way. Um, and we've seen some really big swings even throughout the day over the past couple of days. Um, what is, what is tying into these big swings? Because it doesn't seem to be any like big, you know, Fed news or anything like that. So what, what's causing these wild swings? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing a, I mean, kind of normal volatility in the market, particularly on the heels of these earnings reports that are coming out. And these earnings reports are just driving dramatic moves. And these individual companies. Now, of course, some of these reflect more heavily on the major indexes, depending on what the index is and what the weighting of that company is. But again, I think you're seeing a lot of speculation, as particularly in the options market, where people are trying to essentially speculate where that stock price is going to go, whether they're going to buy options to say that the stock price is going to go up or it's going to go down. But again, we're seeing more, I mean, more representation of this trend in this earnings season in the fourth quarter. I mean, Snapchat, which is interesting because when they announced their layoff earlier in the week, we did see a little bit of a bump, but that stock is down 30% in pre-market wow. after their 30%. It's a huge drop. What happened? And that's there? after their advertising, uh, their ad business just completely underwhelmed. Their forward-looking guidance doesn't look good. It's not recovering as that as Wall Street as as a, has anticipated. Starkly different from parent company of Meta or parent company of Facebook Meta, where they did outperform on their ad revenue. So. 30% drops a huge move. Now, on the flip side, not as a dramatic lift, but still a pretty solid bump. You have shares of Ford up 6%. Now, if you're an owner of Ford, you're going to be happy because you're going to get their normal, regular first quarter dividend of $0.15 cents per share, but they are also they also announce a special dividend of $0.18 cents per share, so that's going to pad your pocketbook a little bit with some extra income. So you could certainly add that into a uh, acquiring more shares of Ford or finding, hey, maybe you want to buy Snapchat on the dip. I don't know. I personally wouldn't. But hey, if you want to go that route, <laughs> you certainly could, right? Buy low, sell high. That That is the old adage. <laughs> but what's also interesting, we're not going to have much time. And I wish maybe we could c- cover this tomorrow. But this is really interesting, seeing the earnings reports out of Hertz and the earnings reports out of Ford and how they're really adjusting on this EV adoption. So if you remember a couple years ago, you had these big auto manufacturers all in on EV. We're talking billions of dollars that's, of investment. To that's really changed fortify. quite a bit here in the last yep. six and months, that was, hasn't it? Yep, and that was a big point of contention on the UAW um, uh, negotiations because they were concerned that, hey, we want some assurances on this EV side of things because if you're going all in on this and if we're, if we're not involved in this, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Bottom line is they're just not seeing the uptick in, in uh, purchases from consumers. They're more expensive. Ford is, is projected to take a, almost a $5 billion loss for its EV business. So they're, wow. they're taking that money that was allocated for that and they're going to adjust and they're going to go hybrid. So they're going to try to fortify their hybrid fleet, particularly in the trucks. And then if you look at Hertz, they were they were the darlings in uh in about end of October end of 2021 around October of 2021 where they announced, "Hey, we're going to buy 100,000 Teslas." <laughs> drove up the stock price of Hertz, drove up the stock price of Tesla, and they took a 245 million loss from that Tesla fleet. 
they're taking a tremendous loss as they're trying to sell over a third of their Tesla fleet, over 20000 The The maintenance costs to, to maintain these electric vehicles are through the roof. I mean, bottom line is all this optimism around EV and where everyone thought this future was going. I got to admit, I was in that camp. I thought that this is where the trend was going. There was a demand for it. But fast forward the clock a few years, you're clearly seeing that the efficiency, the price points, the maintenance... For EVs, it's just not there yet. It doesn't scale compared to the uh, in the good old con- uh, internal combustion engine, and I think that's where people are going to be going for the for the near time. Because I mean, these things just aren't as efficient. The charging capacity isn't there, and these companies are taking a tremendous hit to their bottom line with their exposure to EVs. All right, we'll keep an eye on things right now. It looks like we're going to be opening up to the positive side across the board. We'll get updates throughout the day, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. Thanks, gents. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. After a day and a half of deliberations, a Michigan jury finding Jennifer Crumbly guilty. We find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. She's the mother of 17-year-old Ethan Crumbly, who opened fire inside Oxford High School in suburban Detroit in 2021, killing four students. Crumbly's case is the first time a parent has been charged and now convicted in a case related to their child carrying out a mass shooting. The jury finding she was grossly negligent in caring for her son and failed in her duty as a parent. Jennifer Crumbly faces up to 15 years in prison when she's sentenced at a later date. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wise. Phone lines are uh, open if you want to give your thoughts. Justice done. By the way, Dad is uh, also going to be going to uh, court. Same charges, manslaughter charges. So Mom's already been found guilty. Uh, Will Dad also be found guilty? Uh, Both sides claiming that uh, the other mom and dad each had control of the uh, gun. Didn't work in this particular case. We'll see it works in the next case because now you can say that the jury decided it was mom who last had control of the gun so that dad can use that against uh, you know for his defense um but is this a, is this a slippery slope or was justice done here um Derek our producer we were talking off air about this uh made a fantastic point and I didn't even think of what had happened if the kid had gone to school and drawn the same picture only instead of using a gun he used a knife in that picture that he drew and that was the reason that the parents were called into school and what had happened then if that same kid had taken a knife out of the drawer in the kitchen and killed four students does this open up now to parents being charged because they're bad parents because their kid went and killed somebody they should have known that their kid was going to take a knife and stab four people and kill them or is it just because this is a gun and there's so much more hyperbole surrounding a yeah. gun than it would be a knife well, I, or a I hammer. Think, I think that definitely adds to it, the fact that it's a gun. Uh, since, you know, the, these mass uh, killings generally are people using a gun. You can, you can kill a lot of people with just about any way possible. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, most of the ones that happen are with guns. And so, you know... Uh, when they bring charges like this, I think it's to tell parents, lock up the guns. Both parents, this is uh, no name on this one, um, text message at 208-336-3700. Both parents are responsible for that weapon, or it could be considered a tool. It's not the tool's fault. The dad should get the same um, thing that the mom got. 
So four charges of manslaughter, four guilty verdicts of manslaughter, and spending uh, 15 years per charge uh-huh. in prison. So it's going to be 60 years in prison. Um, the mom's 47. I'm not sure how old the dad is, but I'm, or mom's 45, dad's 47. So basically you're spending life in, the rest of your life in prison. 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Uh, weigh in. Justice done. This is how everything should be cited, decided going on. Um, and this I kind mean, of does set precedence. That, you know, if he runs over a lot of people, they don't probably blame the mother for teaching him how to drive. Uh, however, Derek, uh, our producer, also made the point, too, that I will bring up what happens if there was alcohol. The uh, yeah. kid ended up getting drunk on the alcohol and then went out, took the car, and uh, killed a bunch of people in a DUI. Would the parents then be responsible because Possibly they for, had alcohol for not, out? For not locking up uh, the uh, yeah. alcohol. Um, go ahead and weigh in with your thoughts. Uh, in the meantime, we'll take a break here for a final check on sports. Brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna. Open for lunch seven days a week, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. Check out their menu, theporkbellyidaho.com. The Boise State men's basketball team, as we told you, lost in uh, Colorado last night to Colorado State. The Boise State women's basketball team takes on San Jose State tonight at Extra Mile Arena in Boise. Game time is 6.30 p.m. The Spartans are just 6-15 and 15 this season and only 1-8 and eight in conference play. They lost to Air Force 78-56 on Saturday. The Broncos are 14-8 and eight overall and 5-4 and four in the Mountain West. The Boise State football team announced a commitment Tuesday from a new linebacker, Sincere Brackett Lambie of Centennial High School in Corona, California. Brackett Lambie is six foot three and two hundred and thirty pounds. Twenty four seven Sports ranks him as a three star recruit. Brackett Lambie is the second player from Corona to commit to the Broncos, following defensive lineman Connor Warkenton, who signed in December. Also Tuesday, twenty four seven Sports upgraded Boise State recruit Clay Martineau of Oregon City, Oregon, to four stars, making him now the top high school recruit in the Broncos twenty twenty four class. Martineau committed to Boise State last June. That's sports. Has this uh, been the best recruiting <laughs> year in history for Boise State? Uh, it, it'll it'll show this fall if it has. And but yes, I think it has. You have Martineau who's just upgraded to a four-star recruited linebacker. Um, you have a five-star recruit out of the 2023 class, uh, the number one recruit in the nation, by the way, uh, in transfer Malachi Nelson, who comes in yeah. this year. And you also have a five-star recruit in the 2020, uh, 2022 class, mm-hmm. wide receiver Chris Marshall, the number one JUCO recruit. Now, three recruits aren't going to make or break your class. It's going to depend on what the other recruits are uh, able to do. But, man, on paper... This class looks fantastic, mm-hmm. and, and we'll wait and see how these recruits pan out. But uh, it, on paper, it looks great. Unfortunately, uh, football games are not played on paper, or we'd already be <laughs> stamping our tickets to the uh, Plus uh, playoffs to, next year. You'd have to replace the field so often. <laughs> KBOI News Time 747. Download the KBOI radio app for free for your Android or Apple device. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 
The fact that they've been able to reach this conclusion that Jennifer Crumbly is guilty, it means they, the prosecution satisfied one of two possibilities. One is the fact that they failed to secure that gun is enough to find her responsible for those murders, or also, under Michigan law, that she failed to provide what's known as ordinary care by not detecting those signs that her son's mental health was failing, not getting him the help that he needed, and thus she is responsible for the fact that he went and killed his classmates. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless Justice Done, or is this a slippery slope? Just your opinions this morning. Nothing right, nothing, nothing wrong. I mean, she has been found guilty. We'll be uh, spending 15 years in prison for each charge, so that's 60 uh, years. You know, She's 45 was, years old. There was a time in this country when it was fairly common that if uh, somebody underage committed a crime, their parents had to pay for it or go to jail even dylan uh in boise listening online this morning thanks for being patient you're on news talk kboi good morning to you as always thanks for getting up at the weirdest times of the morning <laughs> i don't know how you do it i don't know either um this uh this isn't a tough one for me at all i think it is justice served i would grew up in a tremendously abusive household mm. if there was an unlocked firearm in the household, I might have had to be one of those kids that thought I'd need to use it to defend myself. The recognition of a struggling child when the school is like, hey, we kind of got some weird images like across the board. Parents need to take accountability for their kids, and that kid had plenty of alarms coming off that there were issues, and taking it from a kid who's been there, yeah, they're... There needs to be some accountability. Question for you. Um, let's put this to you then this way. Uh, same thing that we brought up a little bit earlier. Had this, <laughs> had this been a knife instead of a gun and he'd done the same thing with a knife, do you still think that the parents should be held responsible? Yeah, so locking up a knife, I, my, I lean on the side of the parents are responsible for their kids' mental health and for what's happening with this kid. In this one's essence, there's tremendously so many so many flags so you so you think same same charges uh should be same same thing that parents and and it's a tough one like 50 this might be a message to all the parents out there who are neglecting their child you you might be you might have the blood on your hands like there there are kids i'm yeah thank you thank you for the call dylan thank you for the thoughts 208-336-3700. 208-336-3700. Got a couple people on the line. Uh, Dale and uh, Kevin, stay right where you're at. I promise we're going to get to you after news at the top of the hour here. A um, couple of text messages. Uh, now that the jury is making the parents responsible for their child's action on previous cases, are we going to get the courts or the parents of the victims taking uh, the parents of the shooters back to court? Um, Doubtful. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that would legally uh, be possible, but who knows? Uh, another text message. Finally, a notice to all parents. Be a parent, not a friend. And uh, finally, one before we go to break. If parents lock up guns, a mentally ill child will simply find something else. They can use knives, forks, baseball bats, and countless other items to accomplish their goals. But those things can't kill as many people as quickly as a gun. No, uh, but there are several ways to make an explosive weapon with common household items that could kill more people than any gun. That's Gary and Meridian. Yeah, he's right, too. 
208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Got a couple lines open, or you can email us, mike at kboi.com, chris at kboi.com. It's 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. After a day and a half of deliberations, a Michigan jury finding Jennifer Crumbly guilty. We find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. She's the mother of 17-year-old Ethan Crumbly, who opened fire inside Oxford High School in suburban Detroit in 2021, killing four students. Crumbly's case is the first time a parent has been charged and now convicted in a case related to their child carrying out a mass shooting. The jury finding she was grossly negligent in caring for her son and failed in her duty as a parent. Jennifer Crumbly faces up to 15 years in prison when she's sentenced at a later date. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Once again, we're just taking your opinion this morning. Justice done, or is this uh, possibly a, a slippery slope? Um, got a text message in saying that uh, she has not been sentenced yet. Yes, no, we said that earlier. She faces up to 15 years in prison per count. Um, she will be sentenced on April the 9th. So could be seeing 60 years in prison if she gets the max. But they don't which have means to give, she would over, be over yeah. 100 years old once she well, got Well, they don't out. have to give her the maximum, so they no. might not. Um, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Kevin and Meridian, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Hi, how are you? Good. Well, I it is a slippery slope. Um, there's no way you can know everything as a parent about your child. I turned out okay. I didn't do any of these. I didn't, God knows, I didn't do what this kid did. But um, there was no way my parents could keep track of me, much less my two brothers. Um, it, it's, it's a slippery slope. Um, and there, there's biases here. Like you, you said, there's a gun. That's, there's a bias against guns always, of course. It's a democratic state. And third, I'll submit that there's a bias uh, against mothers. You know, there, there's. You're the mother. You should have known about this. They expect her to be a den mother. I'm not saying that she was. She's not a great mother. The fact that she had an affair was brought up in this thing too. So now there's this. There's that bias also. I don't know that the father will get that as much scrutiny as her because she's the mother. And you're probably right about that. Yeah. Yeah, it, I it think would be interesting logic. if if Dad gets off. The prosecution, yeah. I think, is just going to try to make the point that you know he was at least half in charge, and uh, that they shouldn't have provided yeah. this particular kid with a gun. Yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, the the exactly. advantage he also has going to court next is uh, the um, prosecutor won't be able to say, "Hey, you were the last person. You were in charge of the gun because you were the last person to have it," because it was apparently proven in court and as part of the court record that mom was the last person to uh, have control of the gun so he's going into court already going to have that in his favor so that could help him was out it but, a, <clears throat> yeah. was, was it a pistol or was it a rifle you know i uh, i'm not sure it was a gift um yeah yeah i i, I can't remember i can't remember off the top of my head if it was a rifle or a gun well, if it's a rifle, they can use the rite of passage, the hunting thing, father-son bonding. Maybe I'm helping their case. Yeah, <laughs> true. But you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, no. so. Thank you for the call. Yeah, Appreciate there's, there's it. More- uh, Dale uh, calling from prison this morning. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning, Mike. 
Um, the slippery slope idea is, is great. I mean, I, I think this is the downhill side of the slippery slope. I know in uh, many jurisdictions in, for example, public housing or low-income housing, if someone who lives in a, in a house with someone who has public housing uh, commits a crime, then the person who is actually uh, in charge of the household can actually be removed really? from the public housing administratively. They don't even have to go to trial. And that's whether it's especially drugs and that sort of thing. A lot of the cities like Detroit and Chicago and all, they have those, uh, they're, they're very bad about that. Also, uh, the fact that this, this uh, well, we'll call him a child, uh, 17 years old, was convicted as an adult, I would think that that would have some bearing on whether or not the parent should be held responsible. You know, that's a, that is a really, really good point. Uh, thank you for the call. Uh, Jen brought that same thing up, said, I agree with the sentence for the mother should be equal for the father, but didn't they charge the kid as an adult? He's either their child or he's an adult. He can't be both. Are we responsible for our adult children too? You know, uh, you you guys both made up. Dale made that point. Jen made that point. That is a fantastic point. It's like if he's going to be found guilty as an adult. It was a pistol, by the way. Uh, how 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 can you then say, hey, you didn't take care of your child? Well, he was an adult. You did, yeah. you charged him as an adult. He you agreed he was an adult. So, um, I I don't even know if the defense even used that as part of the part of the defense. But yeah, I didn't even think about that. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We'll talk more about this. If you want to weigh in, uh, you'll be able to call after news at the bottom of the hour once again. Um, and if you want to continue to email Mike at KBY.com, Chris at KBY.com, you can also text us at 208-336-3700. We'll take a break. When we come back, we've got a uh, golf package to give away, including a $50 gift certificate to X Golf and four Tickets to the golf show coming up this weekend at Expo Idaho. It's the Casper and Chris Damn Near Impossible Question right after Bronco Sports Today. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 823, Casper and Christian near Impossible Question is brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, 208-888-4128 for all your real estate needs. Greg is going to get first crack at our question today uh, for the next three days. We're getting you ready for the Super Bowl with Super Bowl trivia questions. Greg, today, which college has produced the most Super Bowl quarterbacks? University of California, Berkeley. That is correct. It is. Cal leads the way with five quarterbacks, including A.A. Ron Rogers. <laughs> Alabama, Notre Dame, and Purdue each have produced three for a tie for second place. Congratulations, Greg. You're going golfing. Do, Thank you. Do you golf yet? Yeah. Well, not yet, but when it warms up. <laughs> Uh, well, congratulations. We got a $50 gift certificate to X Golf, which should get you a round. It's about one hour's worth and four tickets to the Boise Golf Show going on uh, this weekend, 9th through the 11th at Expo Idaho. Hang on the line. Don't worry. If you didn't get in for our golf package this morning, we've got another golf package on Thursday and Friday for you to win. We'll take a break. News is coming up here next at the bottom of the hour when we come back. We'll get back to some of your phone calls and emails. We're talking about the woman who has been found guilty. Four separate manslaughter charges. Charges for the death of four students her son killed. 
because apparently she wasn't watching out for her son. Your thoughts. Is it justice done? Or is this something that uh, might be a slippery slope in the future? The dad, by the way, goes uh, same charges. Yeah. Goes to court next month on the same charges. We'll talk more about this after the bottom of the hour. If you want to get through, phone lines, like I said, are open right now. You can also email Chris at KBOI.com and Mike at KBOI.com. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pound six seventy on your Verizon wireless. If you want to weigh in this morning, uh, we've been talking a little bit about this. Um, phone lines are open. Uh, if you'd like to uh, give your opinion, is this uh, basically justice served, or is there something problematic going forward on this? This is the first <laughs> person, both. first person who has ever been charged with manslaughter charges for a murder committed by somebody uh, else. We've got some emails uh, in. Uh, Guys, if a minor kid under 21 took a bottle of booze from parents, got drunk, driving parents' car, and killed someone, is it the parents' fault? He pled guilty as an adult, so now, when we are parents, are we uh, not just liable for our kids, but also our adult kids? Hmm. I don't think we're liable for our adult kids, necessarily. But uh, underage, I mean, sure we are. I would still say... Um, and I know this is a fine line, but, you know, I have kids who are in their 30s. They're still my kids. However, I don't think I should be responsible yeah. for the decisions that they make. I mean, I've done my job once they're no longer, what, 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 what you, you know, a, a child a, a basically deemed an I mean, what are you minor, gonna, then, what, then I'm no longer responsible. What are you going to tell the court? I, I knew he was kind of weird, but I didn't know he was psychotic. I'm I'm not trained to you know spot that. Yeah, um, it's not weird. And, and the the other problematic thing is, and I don't know if it was brought up or not. And we've had a couple of listeners bring this up. He was found guilty as an adult. Yeah. So if he's an adult, why are you being charged? Even though he was 15 years old, but if that's the case, he shouldn't have been charged as an adult then, because hmm. it, it it's it, it's kind of it's 15, you're old enough to do things that adults do, but you're not old enough to probably legally make the decision to do things that adults do. Gordon in Council, listening on 93.1 FM this morning. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Hi, fellas. Hello, Idaho. I was wondering, what if it had found out that that kid had been watching something like a John Wick movie over and over and over, and, then, and his parents knew about it, but they didn't do anything? Maybe they would be guilty then. Or maybe the kid had a recording of Mark Levin telling us who we should hate. <laughs> and he was listening to that over and over again. And the parents did nothing. Those, and, those sorts of things know, have I, gone through courts before. And uh, usually the people charging 
you know, that uh, a Judas Priest record or something was evil. Usually that's yeah. thrown out because, I mean, everybody oh. has access to kind of the same media and it's not necessarily anybody else's fault how you re- reacted to it. You're so wise. Well, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go that you know, far. Those poor, you know, when are we going to get some gun bridge legislation? You know, and the geez, your heart just goes out to them. They're all crying. Yeah. And, but, you know, uh, maybe, is there no parents? Am I the only person in the world that thinks watching the joy of killing on these movies, just revenge, you know, from Dirty Harry to the Wild Bunch to John Wick? The joy of killing. See, we're presenting it on the movies over and over, and, and we know what feels good. Revenge. And there's no better than revenge than dismembering your than your uh, enemy. And and we don't have Barbara Stanwyck learning to love. And, and, you know, and, and you're, you're starting to go, wait, people are going, who? This is, have I ceased to help contribute to making good radio? No, well, not at all. I mean, I mean oh. people, uh, I, I know, Chris probably knows, we probably have half our listeners going, Barbara, who? Thank oh. you. Thank you oh. for the call. Appreciate the thoughts. Uh, Ruben, listening in Boise on 93.1 FM. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning. I, I just have a quick question for you, and this is pertaining to the mother, but when a restaurant or a bar serves a patron too much alcohol and they know that, they are criminally liable for that, and they're held responsible for it. As uh, You have to be 21 to drink? So I'm just kind of, is that in the same realm? Is that something that someone it, has it, to be held it responsible? Is. It is. Uh, when they first started charging the bars for over-serving people, it kind of surprised me, simply because, you know, as an adult, you are responsible for your own actions. Uh, but this is uh, just one of those cases where they kept suing bars until finally, uh, I think there was a jury that said, hey, maybe they are at fault. And I get that because the only reason I say it is because two instances I know from my hometown, uh, two people were convicted and the bar was held, one of the bars was held liable for serving that patron too much alcohol, mm-hmm. and they were charged in it. So to me, it seems like the same thing. Somebody has to be responsible. The mother and father weren't, <clears throat> and people keep saying they put it in a safe. You give them the combination, that's not safe. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that kid can go in when they're at work or home or right. whatever, get into the safe and open it and do what he wants to do. So, yes, they were responsible for what they did. All right. Yeah. Appreciate Thank you that. for the call. That's true. I mean, you know, a liquor cabinet, too. You can have a lock on the liber- uh, liquor cabinet, but if the kid knows where the key is, yeah. that doesn't do you anything. Well, and I said earlier this morning, it, it, you know, growing up, I mean, our guns were not locked up. They, they were in a gun cabinet, but it was not a locked gun oh, cabinet. You, you lived with coyotes, too. But we had, uh, my parents had a safe that they locked up their, you know, valuables, and they had some silver coins and important papers in. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a safe that was in their closet. Um, I don't remember how we figured it out, but we knew the combination of that. My parents never knew we all knew the combination, you know, when we were teenagers. Good thing they didn't find out. Is, is that their fault, then, that we would be able to figure out the combination to get into the safe? Yeah. Still, would that be their fault? I don't know. Just asking I, the question. I, I know what can they would have opened up on you. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're not wrong there. 
another uh, email in Mike at KBOI.com. So if I'm your neighbor and I have an aggressive dog that has a history of being aggressive with our other humans and animals and I fail to keep my dog contained in my yard and here she gets out and molests your kid and kills your kid, I shouldn't be responsible because I knew that my dog had a tendency to be violent and I was responsible for containing my dog, but I did not. Well, they, they do hold people responsible if they have uh, an ad- well like for instance i don't want to pick on pit bulls because they're there are nice ones but you can train a pit bull to attack obviously and there are there are people who have done that and they let their dog out the front door and, and it you know mauled somebody and they ended up uh, being sued and having to pay i don't know whether they actually were charged criminally but they might have been i have to look that up uh, another person writes in, I think you're missing the uh, issue. This isn't about someone being held responsible for the lives lost, be it the actual responsible party, the son, or the secondary victims, the parents. This case is solely about the gun. This would not, nor will it ever happen with someone such as a knife, the real motive, if the parent can be held responsible for something they didn't do. The next logical step is to hold the manufacturers of guns responsible. This is an attempt to disarm yeah. American citizens eventually. And they, have, they have tried to do that as well, but I, I don't think that uh, any of the gun manufacturers were ever found, found liable, were they? Uh, I don't believe so. But, you know, for instance, we, we mentioned earlier that... Uh, if you give your kid access to a car, you know, he's got a driver's license, give him access to a car, and one day he decides to mow down everybody on the playground, uh, would this even be a case going to court? I don't think so. No, I, I agree with you. I think, I think no, a lot of this has to nobody, do is the fact that he used a gun. Nobody says if, if your kid is iffy, don't give him a car. Uh, Wayne writes in, I agree with the ruling, punishing the parent for not doing their job in this case. There were plenty of warning signs, and they decided to do nothing to help their child who was struggling. This has nothing to do with the weapon of choice. Maybe this will help parents understand that they are to be adults in the room and not a friend, but a parent to the children that they create. Um, The other part that I will add to this also, um, in case people are just tuning in right now and don't know all the facts in the case, um, this was not the parent's gun. By the way, this was the, a gift given to the 15-year-old child, I believe, for his birthday. So this was his gun, although legally you're not allowed at 15 years old to own a gun. Uh, but it was given as a gift to the child by the parents. You are allowed to use one responsibly. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, teenagers go hunting. 208 336 pounds, 670 on your Verizon wireless. Um, we'll do one more segment on this, um, and then we'll uh, move on to another subject. But final chance, if you want to weigh in on this, justice served. Is this, uh, should this be done? And I guess we can also add to this, dad goes to court next month, same exact charges. Uh, should dad also be held at just liable, just like mom? Should he be going to prison, possibly up for 60 years also? Go ahead and weigh in. Final chance to do that coming up. 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. You can email Mike at KBOI.com, Chris at KBOI.com, or text us. Same as our main number. For your Google Play, simply say, hey, Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Yeah, I see what Nate did there. It's impossible to hate Sophie. So what did he do? He made his producer, Sophie, claim Uh, that she was giving us tickets to give away this morning. Are we supposed to be fooled by this or just go along with it because? (laughs) 
Um, we're just going along with it because it's still giving away the tickets we have for Luke. Brian, just text Luke right now. You've got about another hour to get those in. So if you're just listening in, Luke, um, we're doing better on spelling Luke correctly today, but we still have two likes. The only people that are going to be in are the people that correctly spell Luke, L-U-K-E. Um, so when we uh, tell the computer to pick at random one of the people who have texted us, it will only pick from the um, people who have correctly texted Luke's name. So text Luke, 208-336-3700. Spelling counts, remember. The Crumblies, one of the things they did wrong, uh, you know, they, they, they were charged December 3rd with involuntary manslaughter, both of them. The, the mother has now been convicted. The father has yet to be tried. But uh, instead of showing up at court, you know, throwing themselves upon the mercy of the court and saying they were very sorry and, you know, couldn't believe this happened, et cetera, et cetera, they didn't show up for their arraignment, and then the U.S. Marshals had to go find them. So right away, that kind of started off badly. Yeah. And I don't in any way, shape, or form want to say that these are great parents. Um, I don't know them, so it, it's hard to say if they're good parents, if they're not good parents. Um, but I am saying, you know, they're, for the grace of God, could possibly going a, a bunch of you who have guns in your home that at some time or another are not locked up, and yeah. you have a child that goes out, you can be charged for manslaughter, even though it's not you that pulled the trigger. Uh, another text message or another email, Mike at KBY.com. Uh, it was my idea when the first school shooting occurred to charge the parents. Of course, at that time, it was a preposterous idea and quickly ignored. So I am glad there is someone out there that does not think that I'm such an idiot. A lot of my ideas have become real in today's society. So watch who you're calling uh, an idiot. Just because you claim you're not an idiot doesn't still make you an idiot. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. So you're an idiot. You mean make you not? <laughs> Jim from Eagle uh, writes in another side to this conviction. What about teachers and school principals who observe a behavior that any sane adult would recognize as a threat due to mental issues and behaviors that are threatening and do nothing about it? Are they not responsible for children attending school while they're on the campus? Yeah, uh, yeah, and that, that that could be a part of this slippery slope, as I said. Um, I don't think, and once again, I just want to reiterate, I, I don't think the parents are blameless in this particular instance. Um, manslaughter charges, my personal opinion, a little over the top. Lisa says, if I were on that jury, I don't think I would have necessarily voted guilty for Ethan Crumbly's mother. I feel like I would have argued that there's a difference between being criminal and being stupid, and as far as I know, it's not a crime to be stupid. Although, what is it Forrest Gump said, stupid is as stupid does? Mm. Uh, when you do something stupid, that can be a crime, if it's stupid enough. Uh, Corey uh, writes in, didn't the school send the kids back to class with a backpack where the gun was hidden? Should the employee, school employees be charged with uh, murder not murder, and once again, the parents are not being charged with murder, and the mom was not found guilty of murder, found guilty of manslaughter, um, which is which is different than uh, murder. And the reason they're found guilty of manslaughter is because they didn't actually do the killing. They didn't pull the trigger, yeah. but they are, in the court's eyes, responsible for the deaths of those four students. 
Leah Eagle says, I think the verdict in the Crumbly case was correct, but don't know how many years she should get. There was another case recently where the mother of a five-year-old, can't remember where, was sentenced. The boy took a gun from home and shot the teacher. She lived but has physical issues. What about parents of kids who loot and burn down buildings? Are they responsible? Uh, if they're under 18, the parents to a certain degree always are. Or at least they're supposed to be. And, and once again, these are these are all great questions going going forward in this. And this is why I wanted to ask this question. Is this a slippery slope? I mean, where um, are you expected to watch your child, your teenager, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and know exactly what they're doing at all time? Uh, and if they do commit a crime, then you get... The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. There, you heard it there. This is the final hour. If you want uh, the Luke Bryan tickets, going to give those away later this hour. This is the final chance to get your text in. Luke, 208-336-3700. Once again, you have to spell. Spelling counts. Spell it correctly. L-U-K-E. And then we'll choose one person at random to get those tickets once again today. They don't go on sale until Friday morning. I'm trying to do Darth Vader. I can't do it. (laughs) At uh, 10 a.m. I am your father. Very. I'm glad to help you out there. Luke Bryan, I am your father. <laughs> Give me some money. Uh, Rick and Emma, listening on 93.1 uh, FM this morning. Once again, we're talking about the mom who was recently uh, found guilty of manslaughter um, because her son killed four students in a uh, mass shooting. Is this the uh, correct thing? Should she have been found guilty of manslaughter or slippery slope? Just taking your opinions this morning. Rick and Emmett, what do you think? Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking my call. I, uh, I'm i 70 years old. I have five grandkids. And these video games that these kids are allowed to watch, I, I mean, they are, you know, they show all this shoot them up this Call of Duty, and, and it shows people getting their heads blown up and guts falling out and stuff. These kids don't realize real death. I've taken my grandkids out to shoot and show them the proper way to use guns. And out of the five, most of them did good. One of them, all of a sudden, he got my pistol, and he just went to shooting cans at random. Boom, 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 boom. And I said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And he watches these video games. The next day, I took him out, and uh, I said, let's me and you Wait, you, you took him out? Cans. No, 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 no. <laughs> outside. Really. Oh, outside, I did, okay. I let him see the, Phew. Yeah, I let him see the real world. We went out and uh, shot a rabbit. And this kid loves little animals. And we shot this rabbit, and when we went up to look at it, of course, there's blood everywhere, and that little rabbit was kicking, and it was sad. But this kid broke down. They don't have a concept of what death really is. And this kid said, Grandpa, I'm never playing one of those games again. This isn't, that, that isn't what it is. So it, you know, I blame these video games for a lot of this stuff. They just... They got young minds, and they, they just don't get it. Hmm. That's just that's just my opinion, and it did it. It turned that kid around. Some kids didn't want to play you know, those games no more. Some kids are susceptible so, to that sort of thing, and I, you know, others of them did. Doesn't seem to bother. So you never know. Yeah. Well, I mean, kids that, that are empathetic, you know, it would. Kids that have some mental problems, 
even showing them that and they have no empathy whatsoever. Well, I mean, if, if you probably aren't going to affect them at all. If you are a sociopath, then the yeah. one the one thing you lack is empathy, and so shooting anyone or anything wouldn't probably be a problem for you if it if you felt it was necessary for you to get ahead in some way. Paul in Nampa, listening at 670 AM this morning. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBUI. What do you think? I think it sounds to me like it's negligent um, homicide. It didn't necessarily really want it to happen, but it happened and they have to put the responsibility on somebody more than the child. And um, that's how I feel about it. All right. Thank you for the call. Denny and Nampa writes in and says, I predict that the recent guilty verdict in the school shooting case will eventually end up in SCOTUS, Supreme Court. There, the presentation of that case will probably have to wait until all the Trump issues have been decided. Well, none of them have gone to the Supreme Court yet. One will tomorrow. And they'll decide, you know, whether to do anything about it or just send it back. Yeah. So tomorrow, that case, uh, as a matter of fact, it will be happening during our show. Uh, it's due for uh, 10 a.m. Uh, the case we're talking about specifically for Trump tomorrow is whether or not states have the right to kick him off ballots due to the 14th Amendment, yeah. uh, specifically Colorado. That's what this case is about tomorrow morning. I don't know how long the court is going to take to decide, but they'll start to hear arguments coming up. Uh, tomorrow morning we'll follow along with that john has written in and uh like the person who called just a bit ago uh he says i am a grandfather who raised a grandson as a responsible gun owner we live on a ranch so lots of hunting and target practice he is 20 now but still lives with me and he is married and in college i am still liable for his actions if he makes the wrong decisions i don't know that legally you are liable but if you feel liable i mean that's probably a good thing so and and that's what i kind of said i i still think that there is liability on the uh, issue of these parents my my opinion though is i I don't know if manslaughter is that the liability they should be responsible for um i'm not involved with the family i don't know how much if they were good parents or not um we heard from the court case that the mom was they tried to portray her as a horrible mom bringing up an extramarital affair, um, which I don't know what that had to do with anything in the case other than the fact you're trying to show, oh, she's a horrible mom and get, you know, the feelings on uh, the side, uh, the other side saying, oh, she's a bad mom. She had an extramarital affair. That means she probably did allow this kid to kill these people. There again, I mean, does it ever specify in the law? Does it spell it out that if you're a bad mom, you have to go to prison for any particular reason? No. Um, Sheldon writes in, I don't think the charge should have been manslaughter. Anytime I've heard manslaughter, it's something that the person did against somebody else just unintentionally. In this case, the mom did not actually do the shooting. So how can she be charged with manslaughter? At best, I think all, uh, they would have is some form of negligence. I'm really hoping this goes back for appeal and it would be nice if the Supreme Court would say something about it because if this continues, how far back in time can we go to convict a parent or something that their kid did? There is no statute of limitations on murder and how many murders have been committed by people who are under 18. In my eyes, this is a very slippery slope. If she had done the shooting, uh, she would be charged with murder, Mm -hmm. just like the kid was. Uh, If she had shot somebody accidentally, not intending to, that could be manslaughter. But in this particular case, they decided that her sending the kid to school without, you know, properly locking up the gun, 
that she was partially in fa- uh, at fault for those who died and those who were injured. So they charged her as well, and the father. Uh, Mike and Boise, uh, Mike B. and Boise writes, First and foremost, the parents should be held responsible for providing protection for their own children in their own homes. Of course, guns should be locked up, but knives as well. Self-harm and suicide are the bigger, th- bigger threat today more than ever. Sadly, the biggest challenge is with parents that are single or otherwise alone in raising kids. The factor alone puts the parents at a huge deficit. Lastly, apathetic parents who allow TV screens to babysit, teach, and influence their children will be fighting an uphill battle when it comes to behavior and healthy social interaction along with basic emotional uh, maturity. That's from Mike B. in Boise. Yeah, I, I can't argue with any of that. Yeah. Um, like I said, uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, Dad, and you're wondering where Dad all is on this, Dad has also been charged for counts of manslaughter. He will be going to court uh, next month on the uh, same charges. Uh, the mom will be um, going back to court April 9th. Uh, to find out exactly what the punishment will be. She faces four and, charges that can be a max of 15 years each. Do we know whether they have the same lawyer or not? That I do not know. I'm just thinking after yeah. yesterday, probably he should, get a <laughs> he should get a different one. But, I mean, everything that she said in the case uh, or what they said about her can also, uh, like I said, he can, he can use that in his defense. In my opinion, he's in a better spot than mom well, was because, like, the jury, uh, we talked to a, heard from one of the jurors, who said specifically the main reason that they found her guilty of manslaughter was because of the fact she was the last person to have access to the gun and didn't take care of it. Um, If that's the case, Dad's going to be able to use that in court because that is court record saying, Mom's responsible, you found she was responsible in the last case, she was the last person to touch the gun, Um, so... I, I think Dad may have a better shot at getting mm. off on the charges know, and, this... unless there's just such an overwhelming opinion against guns that they're going, no, you're going because a gun was used. I have this mental picture for some reason of him in court saying, uh, you know, I'm not responsible for the neglect. I hardly ever talk to the kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. Um, KBY Newstime is 9.15. Uh, thanks for all well, the phone calls and emails well, then, on that subject. Then I withdraw it. Okay. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, uh, we didn't get to this yesterday. Uh, we ran out of time because of uh, some of the breaking news we talked about yesterday. Uh, I didn't want to talk about this, and I'm glad we, we didn't get to it yesterday because I had told you yesterday that Fannie Willis had uh, faced a fourth charge of an accusation um, that trying to disqualify her from the uh, Trump case. Um, since yesterday, there has now been a uh, fifth person who is also making charges that she should be removed from the case. We'll talk a little bit more about that, giving you an update on uh, that particular case on the way next. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. Thank you, Sophie. Sophie is so nice giving us those um, tickets to give away. Nate's an ass, but Sophie is just really, really nice. And we appreciate you, Sophie, and all the hard work you do in uh, helping to make Nate's show sound so much better than it would without you. Keep up the fine work. That message brought to you by Mike Casper. Once again, if you uh, <laughs> uh, if you want to get those tickets, you've got about a half an hour. Text Luke, L-U-K-E, to 208-336-3700. Uh, we'll pick one person at random from all the correctly spelled entries. Spelling counts. Keep that in mind. 
Um, didn't get a chance to get to this yesterday because of how much we had to uh, talk about. Uh, but I just did want to get an update, and thank goodness that I, I didn't do it because uh, another uh, charge came out uh, officially now. If you're keeping score at home, embattled DA Fannie Willis uh, is now facing a fifth charge to disqualify her from the uh, upcoming Trump case. Griff Willis admitted in a court filing that she got involved with her special prosecutor and Nathan Wade. They had a personal relationship, but she says that she did nothing wrong, says that she can't be dismissed from the case under Georgia law and argues that some of the lawyers on the defense side of this case are in personal relationships as well. Now, remember, Griff, over the summer when Willis indicted Trump and 18 others in the Georgia election fraud case, some of those defendants insist her relationship with Wade created a conflict of interest. They say he used salary from Willis to pay for joint vacations, but Wade denies that and says they used both of their own money to cover personal travel costs. Wade also says their relationship didn't even begin until after he joined the prosecution. Still, the defense wants the DA disqualified and the whole case tossed. In a statement, one of Trump's attorneys says in part, quote, nothing has changed. Our re- requested remedy remains clear. Dismiss the case and disqualify the DA together with her team and office from any related matters. But bottom line here, the DA's office wants a scheduled hearing on the matter canceled altogether. But the defense says they have witnesses whose testimony will prove that the DA and what that what the DA and Wade are saying is false. I don't think there's an actual conflict where a judge can order them off the case at this point. But I do think there, there are questions about judgment that... Uh, I would think she might want to consider uh, in, in terms of removing herself voluntarily and removing the other person that she's hired voluntarily there. Well, Griff, we'll see what the judge has to say, but no matter what he decides, it's likely that it won't put this controversy to bed because right now the Georgia House, the Georgia Senate, Fulton County officials, they're all investigating Willis's actions. And just yesterday, the Republican-led House Judiciary Committee issued a subpoena to her requesting documents regarding how she used federal funding. This is such a mess <laughs> going on. Um Yesterday, 229-page court motion filed in Fulton County District Attorney uh, against Fannie Willis saying that she is engaged in a pattern of prosecutorial forensic misconduct requiring her disqualification. This would make the fifth uh, defendant to come forward and and file a motion to have her disqualified. Um, The the one thing that I will say in, in this is if you accept the fact, all right, so say everything that the district attorney, Fannie Willis, and Nathan Wade are saying is true, that um, they didn't meet until after that he was hired by Fannie Willis. It wasn't that he got hired because they were having their relationship. So take that away. Say they did spend money uh, equally and that uh, the DA is or the prosecutor is not getting paid more money just because they have a, a, a relationship together. So say take all that away and and say there is nothing illegal about anything that they have done. The one thing I will say about this, that there is not a city, I don't believe, or a state anywhere in the United States who would, if they had known their DA was sleeping with the prosecutor in the most, one of the most important cases against Trump, um, and maybe one of the most important cases in the history of the United States, 
would have said, oh, yeah, go ahead. There's no problem here. That's your personal life. Uh, don't worry. There's not going to be a problem that you guys are, are sleeping together on this case. There is nobody who would have been okay no. with this. I mean, number one, they are on the same side. So it's not like there's, you know, malfeasance going on between the two sides. Uh, the other thing is technically they haven't broken any rules because there isn't a rule against that. However, it does look bad. That's that's to, the only part. You know, like it's, I said, it's it's not good optics. It's not good optics. And like I said, if, if this were if this were a uh, you know jaywalking case, nobody would give a, a hoot. Um, but it is one of the most important cases um, in our nation. That it's just it's just a mess. You just heard how many different people are asking for evidence in this case, um, and, and we're going to get a little bit of view unless the court decide. Before the uh, case, I think it's uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks, that they, they want to hear uh, testimony uh, on on this. But you have five different people who have filed charges that want her to, to be dismissed. So either the judge is going to have to rule, no, there, there's no reason for us to hold the yeah. court. Uh, however, the court uh, date has already been scheduled. So it looks like unless something happens, um, this is going to turn up in court and the judge is going to decide well, whether or not that they should be uh, either disqualified or allowed to what, continue. What do you think is going to happen? Do you have a prediction? I really don't know in this particular case because there's so much that goes into it. And, and as you, as say, you said, there's nothing, yeah. Ill, it, there is nothing illegal, at least that we know of, unless, unless there is evidence that there is. Yeah, my guess is unless she decides to resign for some reason that uh, they won't be able to remove her from the case at all simply because, I mean, the the circumstances don't look good, but the fact is everything is kind of incidental to the case itself. She is an elected official. Now, Nathan Wade is not an elected official, so he can be removed from the case. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's any any evidence here that would allow for her as district attorney an elected official to be removed from this case. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We'll take a break. Phone lines are open. Don't forget, uh, you've got just a little while yet to text Luke. 208-336-3700. We'll give away another pair of Luke Bryan tickets coming up here in just about the uh, next 20 minutes or so. So your final chances to get those texts in. Broadcasting from the Auto Ranch Group Studios on 93.1 FM and 670 AM, we are News Talk KBOI. The Idaho State Affairs Committee voted to introduce the new bill at the Idaho State Capitol in Boise on Monday. The Idaho Capitol Sun reports that if passed into law, the new bill would prevent governments in Idaho from implementing mask mandates to fight infectious diseases. The bill applies to the state governments, state government officials, and any of the state's political subdivisions. The definition of political subdivision in Idaho state law includes county and city governments, school districts, health districts, and municipal corporations. Idaho never had a statewide mask mandate during the COVID-19 pandemic, although some school districts, public health districts, cities, and counties did. 208-336-3700. We got two more segments on the show, and I specifically waited until late in the show because if we would have brought this uh, up early in the show, we'll be talking about it until tomorrow. Mask mandates. We, we still might. <laughs> Mask mandates. We probably will be talking about it. We wouldn't have had to waste two whole shows on it. Um, we'll talk about it tomorrow because the Idaho legislature will be in tomorrow. It's the day we talk with the mm-hmm. uh, state senate. They well, will be we'll here. Ask them what they think about mm-hmm. it. Um, but now we get your chance to weigh in uh, on this this morning. Now, keep in mind, there was never yeah. a state mandate so, that everyone has to wear masks. This prevents the state from mandating masks, but the state didn't mandate masks, so this just prevents 
future mandates by the state, but apparently doesn't stop the ones from the counties and the cities and the school districts? Public health districts. All right, then. Yeah. Um, Idaho's seven public health districts, which represent counties in different regions in Idaho, um, they, however, did have mask mandates. Um, but they don't answer, apparently, to the governor? Uh, apparently not. Okay. And the governor, we had the governor on many, many times. And yeah, the governor and, and he over told, he, and over and he over kept repeating said, over and over, I did not set any mask mandate. This and, is not a state thing. Yeah. And he, and he said, he goes, the reason I am not going to set a mask mandate is because every county is different. He said, you could have a hundred percent of people in one county with COVID and another county have no COVID in it across the state. He goes, why are you having a mask mandate in a county that has no COVID? Why am I making that decision? For that particular city, he goes, or that county, he goes, counties and cities need to make their own decisions. And if the county has no roads, you know, there's no danger of anybody coming in from a different county. But should we have a new law in the Idaho legislature that won't allow cities to, like Boise, who did install a, a mask mandate um, in different cities throughout the state? Do should Is this a good bill? I mean... It could be uh, another hundred years from now we'll have to deal with another epidemic or COVID could get worse again as it continues to mutate. Now, you're not trying to scare people, are you? (laughs) I just thought I'd say that before somebody wrote in and said, (coughs) stop trying to scare people. (coughs) Better go get my test. Um, So your thoughts on this? 208-336-3700. Is this something that Idaho needs a new law about? It's House Bill 392. The bill would modify laws that outline the powers of Idaho's public health district boards, replacing language that allows boards to do all things necessary to protect public health. That law would, under the bill, allow necessary and reasonable things for public health. The bill would also strike language about the board's duties for preventative health. But who decides what's necessary and reasonable? Because it sort of seems like the public health board ought to be the one making that decision. Unless I'm wrong. The uh, two representative sponsors of the bill, Representative Gallagher and Lenny, told the committee that under the wider duty of public health districts in Idaho law now, boards could restrict the ability to buy sugar or flour for health concerns. Gallagher and Lenny cited public health restrictions like mask mandates and restrictions on large gatherings issued by the health boards during the COVID-19 pandemic as the need for the current legislation being proposed. We're in quoting here once again. This is Lenny. Um, we're in Idaho, and I don't think unchecked, unlimited power should be granted to any government agency or political actor in the state. Well, we're a bit late there, but still. Um, going forward, right? Yeah, going forward, maybe we can Representative, change that. Representative Josh uh, Wheeler of uh, Ammon moved that uh, the committee send House Bill 392 to the amending order where the Idaho House could take it up in the coming weeks of a legislative session. This this bill might not even make it to the House floor. I well, mean there's when a, there's that possibility. A lot of a lot of bills brought up uh end up not making it to even come up for a vote. Now, when something happens, you know, the knee-jerk reaction is to pass a law saying, "Okay, this won't happen anymore." And it's not necessarily knee-jerk. Sometimes it's just, "Oh, we never thought of that and now all of a sudden we have it." Uh, however, like a mask mandate, if we're preventing the state from doing it, well, the state hasn't done it, but they still want to curtail some of the uh, power of the cities, of, of the health municipalities, districts, right? health districts from doing it. But 
uh, since they mentioned the thing about you know getting rid of flour and sugar, that would be just coming up with a scenario and then making a law against it, even though no one's ever done that. Right now, nutritionists. Well, I mean, up until this point, nobody had ever said that you had to wear masks either. No, true, because we have never had a pandemic right. before this point. Right. I mean, unless you were alive in like 1918. I don't even know if Idaho had mask mandates in 1918. I don't either, but a lot of people wore them because, you know, the Spanish flu. They still got the Spanish flu. I mean, you know. It I think the bill, as, as is right now, is, is, is going to be problematic, and this could be why it's going back for amending order, is it, it, it's too wide-ranging. It's, I, I don't think it's specific. If you want to make a bill where, you know, hey, you can't force people to wear masks, mm-hmm. maybe do that. Instead yeah. of saying, we're going to make it so that you can't, make health decisions for everybody in mass as a community. You know, the Spanish flu, the, just the name Spanish flu was propaganda because it actually originated, I think, in Kansas. And then soldiers going to, uh, from, the, from, from the United States into World War I were the ones that spread it to Europe. But it had nothing to do with Spain. Spain's just one of the first places that all of a sudden there was a big outbreak, but it was because the uh, Americans had brought it there. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to weigh in, um, you can do that right now. Um, food for Thought writes in, Osona, masks will be deemed more important than the cost of food that every man, woman, and child needs to stay alive. Hmm, I never heard an answer to the food cost relief. The last politician chickened out, chickened out and did not show up, I guess. Um, well, the health district isn't going to do anything about that. Well, and I, I don't think the legislature is going to do anything about the cost of foods either. Um, you're, you're not going to become all of a sudden a socialistic state and say you cannot charge more than $1 for a loaf of bread. Also, uh, butter will only go for $0.25. Cents. They're not going to set limits on what can be paid for, for food, so I'm not sure exactly what you're, it was, what you're wanting them to do. Yeah, it was Truman that tried to, to uh, basically seize the steel industry at one time. And How'd that work out? I mean, the Supreme Court said, give it back. <laughs> Let go. Uh, speaking speaking of the Supreme Court, uh, apparently we have uh, Supreme Court Justice Mikey uh, weighing in. Says under Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment, Trump disqualified himself from office on January sixth, twenty twenty one, when he violated his oath of office and took part in an insurrection. All that remains to be seen is whether the Supreme Court, stacked with Trump nominees, will find some way to requalify him. Of course, they will. There's a reason why only. of U.S. adults currently approve of how the Supreme Court is handling its job. The Supreme Court is supremely corrupt, as is most of the U.S. elected government. I was listening to a a show last night, and they said that they don't expect the three Supreme Court justices that were uh, nominated by Trump, you know, and that all became Supreme Court justices, they don't expect them to uh, vote in his favor. They just expect, I think, who was it, Alito and... uh, uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Thomas. That's Thomas. It. I couldn't think of his last name. I kept going. <laughs> Clarence Smith? No, that's not it. Clarence Thomas. If you had said yeah, Clarence, but, Ali- I could have But they out. said Alito and Clarence Thomas probably will vote that way just on principle, but they don't think the other three will, the, the, the newest three. Yeah. It, who knows? It, they're it'll not be, the newest three anyway. Jackson is the newest Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to uh, watch. And once again, this court... 
uh, case is tomorrow. That's when they uh, start to give arguments, no telling how soon. Supreme Court uh, usually uh, operates on their own timeline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so hopefully it will be out before Colorado, because this is specifically about Colorado. But there are other um, states who have wanted uh, Maine, for instance, uh, wants to get them off the ballot. Uh, for the primary, but this would have a, a bigger effect more than just on the primary. The fastest. If it's, if it's allowed, the general election could be problematic if you're, if you're allowed to kick presidential candidates off. I think the fastest they ever, uh, ruled on anything was, was Bush v. Gore. But, you know, it was already January and yeah. so somebody had to be inaugurated somebody, yeah, soon. Exactly. So. Um, Finally, just made a decision. You know, there are a lot of people that say that keep saying that they they, they could decide. You know, to send this back um, to the lower courts. I, I don't think that's going to happen. And the reason I don't think that that's going to happen is they have to make a final decision one way or the other. Um, well, because if, you the, have, if their final decision is that the lower court made the right decision, then it's over. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if they do, and that's why I think the Supreme Court needs to make this decision. Um, and if it goes one way, the reason I don't think that he is going to be taken off the ballot is because you open that up to interpretation on the 14th Amendment, and you could see this used a lot in the future anytime somebody thinks somebody is guilty of, say, an insurrection. Um, and there have already been some people who have said that, hey, Biden is doing the same thing. He's guilty of an insurrection by allowing people to come across the border. So you would have states who are mostly Republicans say, all right, let's kick Biden off of our state's ballots because he's guilty of an insurrection. It's it's harder to prove, though, that those people are actually trying to take over the government. But you don't have to prove that, uh, apparently. You know, if if, for the insurrection to be an insurrection, you just as, as the state have to say, we believe he committed an insurrection by allowing people to come across the border and invade our country illegally, which they are illegal, um, I, I think if they if they do that, it sets up a, de- uh, a detrimental precedence going forward, not precedence, precedence um, going forward in states just trying to willy-nilly, tit for tat, go, oh, yeah. you, you took our person off, so we're going to take you, what, your person off our ballot. What you'd have to do, though, is prove that that's a crime and also intentional and not just, you know, I'm not very good, so I did this. Would you? Because right now Trump is not guilty of a crime. He's only been he's only and he hasn't been uh, accused of treason. So this is he's not guilty. He hasn't you know he hasn't seen his day in court. That's part of the problem with this. So would you have to prove that they're guilty? Would that be a part of the case? Do you um, think? I think so. Yeah. Because I mean, right now they're trying to take him off, and he hasn't been charged with. Don't anything. you have to prove someone's guilty? They're, they're trying That's to take been my him, point the whole time. <laughs> they're trying to take him off because they're deciding that they he think he's guilty. Yeah, according to them, according to Colorado and the other states, they have decided that he participated in an insurrection. Yeah, the courts haven't yet uh, decided that. Right. And that's where you get into dangerous ground, states getting to decide themselves. We'll take a break. One more segment on the way. Of course, there's states' rights. Dan Bongino here. Join me today. I'm up after these guys, Casper and Chris, on News Talk KBOI. Nine fifty two two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred. Last few minutes to text 
Luke, L-U-K-E, to 208-336-3700. Give those uh, tickets away coming up here in just a couple minutes. Scott in Boise, uh, listening on 670 AM, limited on time, but we're going to try and get to as many as we can. Uh, your thoughts this morning? Yeah, just a quick question. Why do, why do people keep calling it an insurrection? Nobody's, I don't believe anybody's been convicted of insurrection. Uh, good question. Because it, I mean, it, it, because it, it's very inflammatory to call it an insurrection, I guess. I know, but why, why does the media keep repeating that? Nobody's actually been char- or convicted of insurrection. What would you rather we call it? <laughs> it was a mostly peaceful protest. <laughs> I mean... Mostly peaceful? The media... The media can, you, uh, can you be partially peaceful? Yeah, I don't like the mostly well, peaceful Antifa, thing because Antifa and BLM seem partially peaceful. Yeah, I, I don't like that's the same. The reason I don't like calling it mostly peaceful because um, same reason the BLM riots and whatever. If you want to call it a riot, I'm okay with that because it really was a riot. A riot, and you don't have to be violent. And I'm okay. And I'm okay with that. I get your point. Yeah, I get your point. Thanks for okay. the call. Appreciate it, I mean, Kevin. And go ahead, Kevin and Caldwell, listening on 670 AM. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning, guys. Yeah, and, you know, if the Supreme Court does rule that they can remove him without a conviction, then I say that Idaho's duty is to remove Biden from the ballot. The same thing with all the red states. There's a play tit for tat until they start coming up with some real real rulings. Yeah, I think that's the real problem uh, here. Biden will probably get the same number of votes in Idaho. Probably. Now that he's removed, he, he would be removed. Right, but he'd still he's get the same not, number of yeah. votes as <laughs> if he's on the ballot. He's saying he doesn't think he's going to get any votes in Idaho. Anyway. Not very many. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Thank you for the call, Kevin. Uh, I don't I appreciate think he's going to win. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so either. A um, couple more emails uh, to get to. This is another thing. We'll talk about the mask mandate is a bill that's going through. Uh, I think the best way to get people to wear a mask is proving that the mask works. In World War One and Two, every man, woman, and babies and horses wore effective working masks. I don't think they were forced to. They were told not, or they were not told to. I think they wanted to wear them. These are not paper dusk masks, and they were, uh, and there must have been millions of them uh, available. I think the best thing based on, you know, what happened during COVID is tell them that, hey, please don't buy the masks. They work too well, and people would have rushed out and maybe bought them. Good point. Um, Whatever you do, don't hoard these masks. We're on a 20-hour break. Uh, we've got two minutes. If you want to text uh, Luke, you have a chance to get those tickets. We'll have another pair for you tomorrow morning.